Top five items on this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Number one, buckle your seatbelt. The red tsunami is fast approaching. Number two, the cannabis craze is getting absurd. Number three, Sharon Stone with four wise words. Number four, I have diagnosed a new mental condition that afflicts half the world. SSS. The good news, it doesn't affect any of us. And number five, an important federal ruling for dames, preferably hot dames. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in Corojo, Maduro, and now Connecticut presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. And by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Normally on Saturdays, I am counting down the days until my Buffalo Bills kick off. But this day, just three days, T-minus three days and counting until the midterm elections, I am absolutely drooling. I am counting down the milliseconds until the polls close and we have a massive, absolute tectonic red tsunami that crisscrosses these United States of America. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Hashtag save America. Hashtag red wave. Hashtag red tsunami. It is your global five-star general alpha male in chief cigar, Dave, Front and center, command center alpha, and also it will be election night central. I've got all the TVs. I've got victory cigars ready. I've got victory spirits. We are going to have a massive, massive victory. And let me tell you why we're going. You already know why we're going to have a massive victory. The last two years of the Biden regime and the Democrats controlling the House and Senate has been an unmitigated disaster. Everyone knows it. Everything Biden and the Democrats have touched has turned to shit. Everything. The price of energy. The price of food. The border. Our international standing. The nonsense going on in Ukraine. Everywhere you turn, the world is going to hell. Just a couple of days ago, we saw North Korea fire uh, ballistic missiles right over South Korea. Do you think that nonsense would be happening if President Donald Trump was sitting in the Oval Office at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? You know the answer to that. The answer is hell no. No chance in hell. Would Russia have invaded Ukraine with President Trump sitting in the Oval? You already know the answer to that. No chance in hell. Would the cost of uh, fuel have skyrocketed the last two years? The answer is no. Why? Because our domestic production would have been booming. And remember one thing. 
Energy, the cost of energy affects everything. That is a force multiplier. You start with fuel. Petroleum is the base of everything. Manufacturing, shipping, transportation, you name it. Every single step along the way from the time a product, let's, let's use a food product. From the time that a product is harvested, even going before that, how do you, on farms, you have to plant the seeds. They use machinery that uses what? Fuel, diesel fuel, gasoline, petroleum. When they harvest the, the, the crops, same thing. Oh, by the way, fertilizer uses offshoots of petroleum. You need petroleum to make the fertilizer. And then from the time that the crop is shipped to, let's say, a bread manufacturer, it costs you money, either via rail or via truck. And what does it use? Fuel. You need fuel. And every time you start multiplying that, you start seeing an increase in the cost. And we're seeing rapid inflation. Don Bolden, who is a retired general, the Republican candidate for the Senate seat in New Hampshire, running against Maggie Hassan, has a great term. People have to decide between heating and eating with the Biden inflation. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. People have to decide between heating and eating. I watched virtually every single governor senatorial debate throughout the country. It's amazing what you can watch online. I watched this week the Connecticut debate between Richard Dick Blumenthal. What a perfect nickname, Dick, for Dick Blumenthal. Total stiff, personality of a lead brick against a, uh, the Republican Trump-endorsed candidate, Leonora Levy. Interesting story. Her parents fled the Nazis. They settled in Cuba after World War II, and then they had to escape communism with Castro, and they came to the United States. So she understands exactly the problem with socialism, fascism, and Marxism. And she is running very competitively. You think Connecticut, solid blue state. Dick Blumenthal's been in that, I think he's won, what, three terms, four terms? He's got the race of his life right now. Leonora Levy is challenging him. And during the debate, she hit it right on the head. She did ramble a little bit. She could have been a little more focused. But overall, she made the good points. People are tired of inflation. People are tired of the high gas prices. Are you better off today than you were two years ago? Are gas prices lower today than they were two years ago? No. Are food prices lower today than they were two years ago? No. Is crime lower today than it was two years ago? No. Is the border more secure today than it was two years ago? No. It's that simple. That's what your closing argument is, and that's what it has been, you name it, across this country. And I get a kick out of watching some of these liberal political commentators who live in a bubble. They live in the New York to Washington Beltway. I call it the, the New York, the New York uh, uh, D.C. Belt, uh, bubble. It's really, you could surround a beltway around it. They live in their, they all go to their same little 
hobnobby cocktail parties, and they all say, can you believe just those people in the flyover states? Can you just believe just, oh, they're complaining about inflation and gas prices. Oh, those peons. That's how they look at the rest of the country. I've seen it. I grew up in the nicer part of New York State, western New York, Buffalo, where people are polite, as opposed to New York City. I've seen it. I have seen the attitudes, the attitudes, the, the, the hoity-toity attitudes that they display in New York and in D.C. I used to live in Baltimore. I'd go down to D.C., be invited to some of these parties, and the shit that I would hear being re- spit out and regurgitated by the snobbery and political class blew me away. I grew up in a blue-collar city. I always like to say I'm a white-collar guy with blue-collar values and a blue-collar mentality. Buffalo's a blue-collar city. But you go to D.C. and you go to New York and you go to some other cities, L.A., the disdain they have for the working class in this country is overwhelming. I remember one time I went uh, to a, on a business lunch with someone, they treated, of course, in New York City. And I, it blew me away because every time I ordered an iced tea or refill, they charge you for it, like eight bucks. Now, if you are going to go to a restaurant in Kansas City or Buffalo or Tampa or Detroit or in Denver, they're going to refill your iced tea and they're not going to charge you eight bucks. But in Manhattan, in New York, Everyone, I must have had about five of them. It was probably 40 bucks for about maybe 30 cents worth of iced tea. The bill came. Now, I know what I ordered. I think I ordered salmon at the time or some fish dish, you know, with the entree, everything else between my iced teas and, and, and the entree and an espresso afterward. The bill was, my cut was probably $100, $110 with gratuity. And I remember my, my business associate who picked up the tab, he looked, he said, oh, that's not too bad. You know, it's only for two of us, uh, you know, uh, 240 That was like before tip. I looked at him, I said, are you out of your mind? Do you think that everyone in America has a $250 lunch for two? Most people are going to Subway, getting a $5 foot long. I would never go, I, I told him right out, I would never go to that restaurant and spend $100 for lunch. No way. I'd rather go to Katz's Deli and for 13 15 16 bucks have a giant pastrami sandwich, and half of it you have to take home because it's so large. But just, I, and I looked at him, I said, you, you have been in this city so long that you have forgotten how Americans live. How most Americans look and say, $120 or $250 for two. You know, that's, that's, that would be a splurging going on a, 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 a huge date night, going to dinner, movie, maybe a a, a dinner or dancing or something afterwards. Americans understand full well what is going on. They understand that they have been shit upon by the elite class the last number of years. They understand that these supposed geniuses in Washington, these Democrats and Biden and the Obama regime and the World Economic Forum, the Davos crowd, They understand that what the Fed has done the last 14, 13 years, going back since 2000, 2008, with low interest rates. Now, everybody's bitching about, oh, mortgage rates are 7%. Hello, mortgage rates traditionally run 6.5%, 7%. 
The problem is the Fed purposely kept the discount rate at zero. Zero percent. So interest rates for mortgages were two and a half, two point seven. If you can get a, a mortgage at that, good for you. That's great. But for savers, people that have worked their lives in saving, you get zero in your savings account. So what happened? People had to go to the stock market. And all these financial advisors look like geniuses the last 13 years. Because every time there was a little hiccup, what happened? The Fed came in and they pumped more money in. And they kept interest rates artificially low now for 13 years. 14 years. Going back to around 2008. Sooner or later, you have to pay the piper. And then all of a sudden, we had the pandemic. And then throw money at everybody and everything. And then Biden comes in and says, we are going to transition to clean energy. We're going to put up solar panels and windmills and all these other pie-in-the-sky fantasy land dreams. And we're going to stop the pipeline. And we're going to stop production. They always tell you, oh, we've approved all these leases but they don't approve the drilling permits. That's what they don't tell you. You can have all the leases you want. If you don't get a drilling permit, you can't get in the ground to get the natural gas or get that oil. So they are deceiving you. And the Americans have figured this out. Americans have looked and said, you know, we don't need to be a Rhodes Scholar and we don't need to be supposed economists who are wrong on everything. Look at the Fed. A year ago, oh, the the, the inflation is transitory. A bullshit manufactured term. You knew it, and I knew it, without economics degrees, that inflation was happening and it was real. But Jay Powell, at the the head of the Fed, didn't want to do anything because why he wanted to get re-nominated for another, I think it's a four- or six-year term. Now, if he would have started raising rates a year ago, what would have happened? Oh! Biden would have said, I got to get somebody in there that's going to halt that. That's not going to be good for the election. Well, karma, baby. Because by not raising interest rates and cooling the economy, now we have massive inflation. And Biden has the audacity, and the Dems have the audacity to say, well, our inflation is less than the rest of the world. And Oh, by the way, inflation, you never knew about inflation until, you know, the Republicans started throwing that term around. It's a meaningless term. You tell me if it's meaningless when you walk into a supermarket and you watch people look at the price. They pick up a food product. They look at the price, shake their head, and put it back down. That is not contrived. That is not made up. That is real, and that is happening. And people are irate. They are irate because they have not been listened to. They are irate because the, the, the Democrats have spent the last two years, longer than that, six years, going after a president who was duly elected, legitimately elected, as opposed to the current president that was fraudulently elected. They are sick and tired of the fact that a president that did a great job in keeping this country secure, that wanted to close our borders to illegal aliens, secure our borders, that wanted to be independent in terms of energy, was looking for the American people first as opposed to every other administration, Clinton, Bush, Obama, 
they always put America last and Americans last. And they finally, we have a president that wanted to put America and Americans first, and the deep state didn't like it. Well, the chickens have come home to roost for the Democrats, the socialists, the Marxists, the rhinos, because they are going to get the ass-drubbing and ass-kicking that they have never seen. The pickups will be historic on Tuesday. And I got a kick out of Fox and all these other networks and some of the polls that were being done that were absolute, manufactured, contrived out of thin air. One thing I've learned about polling from doing a tremendous amount of research and talking to some of the top pollsters in the country, they said, it's forget registered voters. They don't mean anything. And in today's environment, forget telephone calls. I can't tell you the number of times I see on my home phone, on my TV screen, it pops up and shows the numbers. I'm not picking it up. I don't want to be talked to by a pollster. But the good polling companies spend the time online. They spend the time to find, and the money, to find likely voters. That takes much more time, much more expense. So when I see some of these polls that are absolutely nonsense and, are, and, and over-sample Democrats and under-sample Republicans, you know they're nonsense. And I'm seeing people saying, oh, the Republicans may pick up, we think, 20 seats. Bullshit. I'm going to give you my prediction on what's going to happen on Tuesday. It is going to be an absolute bloodbath. There are districts right now, congressional districts, that Biden won by 20 points that are in play for the Republican candidate. That is unheard of. I talked to a Republican official, party official, who told me they felt that every district that was Biden plus 10 or less, Republicans are going to win. I can tell you that in Rochester, in Albany, Two Democrat congressional strongholds, highly blue. Republicans just throw someone in just to have a name on the ballot, knowing they're not going to win. Not this year. Both of those districts, Republicans, are neck and neck. The Democrats just put another $600,000 in advertising into the, uh, to supporting the candidate, the Democrat candidate in Rochester, one week before the election. Again, Unheard of. The Democrats know they are going to get their asses creamed. They are going to get wiped out. So before I give you my prediction on the final numbers for the House and Senate, let's do a quick analysis. First up, let's look at the governor pickups I think we're going to see for the GOP. Let's start with my former home state, the crumbling empire state of New York. Lee Zeldin will beat Kathy Hochul. And it's not going to be by a half a point or a point. I think he's going to beat her solidly. Maybe three or four, maybe even five points. The energy for Zeldin is unheard of in New York State. Same thing with the Attorney General, Letitia James, who's been going after Trump. She's, she's the, uh, the, 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 uh, the idiot, the schmamutz, the schmuck that said 
Oh, if I win, I'm going to go after Trump. Even before she became the attorney general four years ago, I'm going to go after Trump. I'm going to find something on him. That's not how justice is dispensed in this country. But not under the Democrat and Marxists, not under the Biden regime, not under Merrick Garland, and not under Letitia James. Find the person will give you the crime, just like the communists, just like the Marxists. Castro would be so proud. Lenin, Stalin would be so proud. Letitia James is probably going to lose. We could see the governor of New York, the attorney general of New York, both be Republicans. The last time that happened was, Jesus, probably 25 years ago. Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano. Everybody said, oh, he's way behind in the polls. He's down 10, 12. Yet Oz is leading, but Mastriano is also a Republican. Trump endorsed is down by 10, 12 points, I'm not buying it. I believe Doug Mastriano is going to win. Arizona is going to be a clean sweep. Kerry Lake, governor. Blake Masters, senator. And the secretary of state is going to go to the Republican. And the importance of that happening, very, very important, of why you want not only a governor, an attorney general, and a secretary of state, all Republicans, and a Republican legislature, they can then go and weed out all this election nonsense. We can get away from these stupid machines, these ballot marking devices. We can get away from this nonsense where we just where states just massively send out mail-in ballots without being requested and in a, per, uh, a perpetual cycle. In Florida, the new Florida election bill that was passed in this legislative session and signed by Governor DeSantis states that the maximum time, the maximum number of election cycles someone can request at one time, a mail-in ballot is two. So if I were to request a mail-in ballot, let's say a month ago I requested a mail-in ballot for this election, for this general election, I would also get one in the next general election, but after that, I would have to request that again. Now, why is that important? It's important because we see people move. We see that people pass away. And so when that happens, and I've got a friend that lives in Las Vegas that told me this. He's in a, in a, in a, a building that has a lot of transients, a lot of people that are there on shorter assignments, six months, eight months, a year, whatever the case is. He said last election, he got like eight mail-in ballots sent to him, different names. And when he called these, the, the elections office, he said, these people don't live here anymore. They didn't want to hear it. That's why we, got, we have to clean up the voter rolls. And how do you do that? So the Democrats can't cheat and can't fraud. Because the only way Democrats win anymore is fraud and cheating. That's it. People don't want to say that, but that is the truth. And people say, oh, you're an election denier. No, I'm not an election denier. I just want fair elections. Whether a Republican or a Democrat or an independent win, I want it fair. That means if a thousand people can legitimately vote, every one of their votes should count 100%. We shouldn't have a thousand people can vote legally, but then another 500 ballots went out to people or to, to locations where they should not have been mailed. 
people have moved, people have died. Well, doesn't matter. We're still going to send it in, and the Secretary of State or the Election Board is going to count it. People want their vote to be legitimately counted. Legitimate. And when people say, oh, you're an election denier, no. What I have a problem with, I have no problem with a public, look, I want a Republican to win, but if a Democrat or an Independent wins, so long as it was a fair election. Nobody wants a rigged election, except the Democrats. Why? Because they know that if they can cheat and manipulate the system, that they'll win. Why do they want all these illegals in here? Because sooner or later, they'll say, we can get these people a ballot. And if we have no voter ID, can't stop them. I got a kick that uh, brainless Biden went to go vote in Delaware. He had to show an ID. Now, he's the president of the United States. Doesn't matter. Need an ID. Great. Here's your ID. But yet, all of a sudden, that's so discriminatory. That is, that is, that is stopping people from voting. That is, it is voter suppression. Please. So, let's look at the governors. Zeldin in New York. The AG in New York. It's going to go Republican. Mastriano in Pennsylvania, I predict, will win. Arizona, clean sweep. Wisconsin, Republican governor. Michigan, Gretchen Cruella DeVille Whitmer will be out. Absolutely creamed and crushed. The Republican candidate, Dixon, is phenomenal. She is going to win. So we're going to see big pickups in traditionally blue states. Now let's look at the Senate. In Pennsylvania, I believe we will hold because Oz will win. In Ohio, J.D. Vance will win, and that will hold the current Republican seat. Florida, Marco Rubio will win, beat Val Demings. She's another nutcase. Wisconsin, Ron Johnson will hold the seat. Alaska, now I want Kelly Chewbacca to win. She is a MAGA, America First Republican, as opposed to Lisa Murkowski, who is a rhino, a Mitch McConnell acolyte. She gets her knee pads on and fillets McConnell any chance. McConnell just threw four or five million dollars into that race not that long ago against another Republican, Kelly Chewbacca. It is outrageous. So I would like to see Kelly Chewbacca take that seat and Murkowski put back to pasture where she belongs. Another hag that should be sent on her broomstick back to where she came from. Now let's look at the Senate gains. Here are my predictions. Pay close attention. In Arizona, Mark Masters will beat Mark Kelly. Or Blake Masters will beat Mark Kelly. And by the way, every time you see Kelly, I'm an astronaut. I'm an astronaut. Where's this astronaut? I'm an a- You're not an astronaut. Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, Wally Schirra, Frank Borman. They were astronauts. Kelly is not an astronaut in my opinion. Nevada, Adam Laxalt will win. Georgia, Herschel Walker will defeat Warnock. And I think it's going to be by probably three or four points. In New Hampshire, this is an interesting race. Six years ago, Maggie Hassan beat Kelly Ayotte, the Republican at the time, by only 1,000 votes. 1,000 votes. She's not overly popular. Don Bolden, interesting story with him, retired general, I think a three-star general. But what is unique about his story is he enlisted in the Army as an enlisted man. 
didn't come in as an officer, which is very rare to climb from being enlisted to being a, a named a general. Very, very rare. Unheard of story. Great story. And he's got the great line. New Hampshire, New Hampshireites, New Hampshireonians, whatever they call themselves. People that live in New Hampshire, how's that? They have to decide between heating and eating. It's a very simple line, but it's very effective, and it resonates. And so while while Maggie Hassan on the debates was waffling back and forth and saying, oh, no, I don't always vote with, with, with Biden, and no, I'm independent, baloney. They all vote, if you look at them, 100%, 95%. Don Bolden, General Don Bolden, has had a magnificent run. Now, here's what's interesting. Mitch McConnell threw four or five million against him in favor of the Rhino candidate. McConnell's saying, oh, well, well, Bolden can't win. He can't win. He's MAGA. He can't win. He's too extreme. He, 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 he's supported by President Trump, and, and he's, uh, he's MAGA. Oh, he can't win. Well, McConnell wanted his acolytes in their account so that he could get his rhinos and they would all kowtow to him. That's not going to happen. Despite $5 million plus, I think it was more like 7 or $8 million total, spent against Bolden in the prime. This is the Republican primary, not even the general. Bolden came away with a decisive victory. There's a female a candidate running for one of the congressional districts. I think there's two or three. I think there's two congressional districts in New Hampshire. She's running for one of them. Kevin McCarthy, another sack of shit, useless. Kevin McCarthy put in five million from his campaign fund that he's his kitty for all the various congressional candidates in the primary, running against this woman, young, 25, formerly worked in the Trump White House, proudly worked in the Trump White House. MAGA, Trump, America First endorsed candidate. They spent $5 million bucks against her in a congressional district. This is Kevin McCarthy. Why he wanted the rhino candidate. The female Republican candidate destroyed the rhino candidate by 12, 10, I think it was 10 or 12 points. She will win that district. So when we look at the gains... For Senate, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, New Hampshire. And here's another one on the board that you never would have thought a year ago. In Oregon, Hag Patty Murray is running against Tiffany Smiley. Interesting story. Husband was in the military. I think in Iraq or Afghanistan, IED goes off, loses his sight. She fought for him. She fought and fought the system, fought the bureaucracy to make sure that he got well and that uh, uh, she was accompanied him to Walter Reed and had to go through all the hoops and the bureaucratic nonsense that the Pentagon puts our veterans through, which is unacceptable. And she has been a strong candidate. She could win. Now think about this for a second. Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, New Hampshire, Oregon. That is five seats in addition to the holds. I'm predicting that the Senate, we will win five. Now, real clear politics said Senate plus three to plus four. I'm saying plus five. Let's look at the House. 
You look at the House of Representatives. We are seeing candidates all over the place. Great candidates. MAGA-endorsed candidates. These are candidates like Kerry Lake. They've got balls. They don't run away like Mitt Romney, Willard Mittens Romney. They don't run away from, from, ooh, liberal mean reporters. They go right after them. They fight back. This is not your breed of rhino Republican, your country club establishment Republican. These are Trump-type Republicans that say, we're going to put America first. We're going to close the border to illegals. We're going to secure our border, and we are going to start drilling. We're going to be energy independent, and we are going to clean up crime. Very simple. Not complicated. They're standing on their principles. And all these Democrats, the liberal media says, oh, they can't win. The rhinos, oh, they can't win. They're too radical. Baloney. They will all win. I am predicting a pickup of 52 seats in the House. Initially, a year ago, I said 20. Earlier this summer, I modified it to 30. Then I said, eh, it could be 40. I believe 52 seats. Again, we've got New York State, several seats that are in play. We've got New Hampshire in play. We've got all these various states, traditional blue state or blue districts that are all in play. People are fed up. The number of Democrats that I have spoken to saying, I'm done with the Democrats. I'm done with their nonsensical woke bullshit. I am finished with and sick of hearing about LGBTQIA, LMNOP, QRS, plus, minus, division sign. They're fed up. They said, How did, that doesn't affect me. I don't, I, don't, I don't need this transgender bullshit shoved in my throat, down my throat every two seconds. People are fed up, and the Democrats are too stupid to realize. They think that's a winning issue. Americans don't care about people's sexual identity. They care about having it shoved down their face. And they care now that transgender, they're talking about 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids identifying as transgender and wanting to get their genitals chopped off? Please. What do Democrats say about those of us that enjoy cigars? Oh, you're not old enough at 18 to make the decision to smoke a cigar. You're not smart enough. You don't have the wisdom. You need to be 21 to enjoy a cigar. You need to be 21 to have a, a weapon. But yet, at the same time, they're saying, oh, you can be 10, 12, 13 for a a, a sex change, for transgender sex change surgery. Oh, and we should lower the voting age to 16. So let me get this straight. At 18, I am not smart enough to decide whether I should be able to enjoy a cigar or not. We need to raise that age to 21, but I'm smart enough at 16 to vote, and I'm smart enough at 12 to be able to decide I want to chop off my tallywhacker. I think not. Dems have played the wrong hands. And during the Wuhan virus lockdowns, when parents saw the nonsense being taught to their kids, they became beyond fed up. And now all of a sudden, they're deemed to be domestic terrorists because they want to stand up for kids. And when you hear Democrats saying, well, parents don't have the right to decide what their kids learn, the hell they don't. They on we always hear the Democrats. What did Biden in his in his ridiculous speech several nights ago? A democracy is we've got a president that doesn't accept the election. Past president, democracy is on the ballot. Our democracy is threatened. 
Let me tell you about democracy come Tuesday on Election Day. There is going to be a giant democracy suppository shoved up the collective asses of all the Republicans by the of all the Democrats by the American people when they vote Republican. All I can say is to the Democrats, you better get vats of KY jelly because you are going to need as much lube as possible when you get that democracy suppository shoved up your tuchuses. The Democrat Party, as an American institution, will be destroyed on Tuesday for at least a decade, maybe longer. The Democrat Party, as an American institution, come the conclusion of Election Day Tuesday, will be destroyed. And you will see a meltdown of epic proportions by the libstream media, by the Dems, by the, by the Adam shitty, shitty shift shifts. They'll all be crying, and this isn't fair, and this isn't right. They're going to get a giant dose of what they did to the Republicans. And if you don't think that the incoming Republicans, the 52 that I project that will win, the MAGA Republicans coming in, if you don't think that they're going to be tough as nails, Think again. You think they're going to roll over to McCarthy who said, well, I, I think we need to move forward and we, we can't be in a situation where we're constantly, we're constantly, the two parties are going after each other. He's finished. I don't want to hear from Kevin McCarthy. Give that guy a, call a cab for a one-way ticket, not only out of Washington, not only out of California. As far as I'm concerned, Kevin McCarthy should go out of, out of the country. There is going to be a reckoning in Washington with a new group of members of the House and Senate that are going to take no names. They will take no prisoners. They are going to go for the jugular. They are going to bring Fody Fauci in, the man behind the, who funded the, the Wuhan virus, the man who killed, responsible for over a million deaths in this country by not allowing known therapeutics, not promoting known therapeutics, but instead a vaccine that does nothing, that has damaged and harmed more people than Pfizer and Moderna want to admit. But now it's all coming out. The truth always comes out. Paxlovid, this, this $750 drug that does nothing, whereas ivermectin, which costs pennies, works. They're going to bring Fauci front and center. They're going to go after Merrick Garland, and they're going to go after Chris Ray of the DOJ and the FBI. They are not going to sit back and say, let's just let bygones be bygones. They are going to screw the Democrats so royally, and that's what they must do, because the Democrats have screwed Trump and Republicans, and I don't care if it's Trump that wins the next election or if it's DeSantis, I don't care if it is, if it is, you name it, Jesus Christ or Moses is president. Do you think for a millisecond the Democrats would not go over, would not attack the Republican candidates? There's this, there's this, this, this fantasy that, oh, if, as long as we, we the, Dem- the Republicans nominate a, a moderate, you'll see. Not, not, not like these hardline Republicans like Trump or DeSantis. You'll see. It'll be fine. The Democrats aren't going to roll over. 
and neither should the Republicans. I don't want to see Kevin McCarthy as the speaker. He's a beta pussy. He's weak. He's ineffective. And he's an idiot. That's it. He's not a very bright guy. So you, you will see come election night, you will see those pussy hats being broken out again by all those women, those Democrats screaming that we're going to resist and democracy is threatened and that everything they're accusing that will take place, they're already doing. They're already suppressing speech. We're seeing it on social media. Everywhere you look around, the things they are accusing the Republicans of, they are already doing. They have weaponized the DOJ, the FBI. We've seen that. They're going after Americans as terrorists. Why? Because they want their kids to be taught reading, writing, and arithmetic. We are not going to see the Mitt Willard Romney type of Republican. We're not going to see the John McCain, those pussies anymore. We're going to see the Lauren Boberts, and you may not like Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I'm not a big, some things she says are stupid. I will say that. But what I do admire about her is that she's not afraid, like Carrie Lake, to go right after the lib media. And why do the Democrats despise her and Lauren Boebert? For that exact reason. Because they state their cases effectively and truthfully, and they don't back down. And when you hear Biden say, this is an extreme MAGA party, this isn't your, your father's Republican party, let, let me translate that. Biden is referring, is referring to the old Republican party like Willard Mittens Romney and John McCain and all these other pussies that would roll over, that wouldn't take on the lib media, that at the first sign of trouble, they would bend down and they would beg for, for an apology, just beg for forgiveness. You don't see Carrie Lake doing that. She shoves it right back to the media. Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, same thing. And Donald Trump, same thing. I was talking to somebody earlier this week. I said, so let me ask you a question. I said, if the presidential election were today, knowing this person is a Democrat, who would you vote for? He said to me, no question, Trump. And he said, you know, I can't believe, I, I goes, look, I didn't like the, some of the tweets and I thought some of the things he said but he said, you know, I never once questioned the fact that he was looking out for America. And he said, compared to what I'm seeing now where the Democrats are, are just, it's a total disaster. He said, I long for the day of two and a half dollar gas where things were reasonably priced, where we didn't have two million illegal aliens climbing through our, our porous border on a regular basis, where the world had a semblance of order, not... Uh, Kim Jong-un and, and, and Vladdy Vladdy Poot Poot and Xi Jinping of China threatening everybody and everything. If the election were held today, Donald Trump would win the popular vote. Not just the electoral vote, the popular vote. Take that to the bank. Two other senatorial states to watch. Connecticut, as I mentioned, Colorado. We get one of those, you're looking at six Senate seats. It is going to be a bloodbath. It is going to be a glorious day. We will finally be on the road to saving America. This is the most important election probably since, uh, since uh, Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War. The damage 
that has been done in two years by the Biden regime will take a tremendous amount of time to recover from. But it can be done and it shall be done with America First MAGA candidates in the House and in the Senate. Mitch McConnell, you are going to be an extinct dinosaur. Your days are numbered. Kevin McCarthy, your days as a leader are numbered. Both of these clowns should be sent back and sent packing. That is not the leadership we need. We don't need Mitch McConnell, an old crow who is way over the hill, leading the Senate. And McCarthy from California, please, a Republican from California leading the House as the Speaker. We don't need another one from California. Thank you very much. I would love to see Jim Jordan, someone with giant nads of steel. That is what we need. And for a millisecond, if McCarthy backs off the gas and doesn't go straight ahead for the jugular for these Democrats, then every single candidate that is going to be elected Tuesday will have been elected for naught. Enough of the pussyfooting beta nonsense. It is time to get strong, to get tough, and go after the Democrats. They will be finished as, a, as an American institution come Tuesday. I will do a special... Combination Cigar Dave Show, Bold Alpha during the uh, election. I may even do some some uh, some quick updates, some very short podcasts. Uh, certainly, maybe we'll do a Twitter Spaces, uh, but we will definitely be doing on election night and then certainly the day after. It is going to be a bloodbath. So my final prediction, House plus 52, Senate plus 5 with a possibility of going to plus 6. Let's see how close I am. I hope I'm wrong on the Senate. I hope we get seven. That would be great. And on the House, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we don't get 52. I hope we get 72. Even better. So buckle your seatbelts, my fellow alphas. The red tsunami is fast approaching. The Democrats and the Democrat Party and the Libstream media, they're all going to get one giant democracy suppository come election night. And I can't wait. Let's just hope. They buy a vat of KY to lube and numb the experience. Lessen, lessen the harsh experience that is going to take place on Tuesday evening. When we return, the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony shall come your way. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. After my quite energetic monologue, I believe I am entitled to relax and enjoy a fine premium hand-rolled cigar with a fine 
libationary accoutrement. So I have selected amongst the thousands of cigars here at Humidor 1A, a cigar that was originally launched in 1999, went off the market, and then it was brought back about a year or two ago. I'm speaking of the Gurkha Havana Legend. Very nice blend. It's a medium-bodied cigar. Uses a uh, an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. The binder is from the Dominican Republic. The filler is Nicaraguan, and it is manufactured in Honduras. That comes in four sizes: a robusto corto, which is a four and a half by forty-eight size cigar; the robusto five by fifty-four; the toro, which I have in my hand that I will enjoy six inches in length with a 50 ring gauge or 50, 64, 7 inch in diameter, and the XO, which is a Magnum 6 by 60. Medium bodied, beautiful Colorado type of uh, colored wrapper, a medium brown, almost a, a caramel colored wrapper. Suggested retail in the eight and a half to $9 category. Very nice cigar. Again, an oldie but goodie brought back by popular demand, by popular request. And that's what I will enjoy today for Litation, the Gurkha Havana Legend. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. As you can hear in my right hand, I have my giant self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine with an extra-large opening. You could get easily about a 70-72 ring gauge size cigar in the opening, no doubt about it. And what has happened over the last probably 10 years or so, as cigars have gotten, the ring gauges have gotten larger. First we saw 50, then 52, then 54, then 56, then 60. Now we're even seeing 70, some that are 75, 80, huge. The various accoutrement and accessory companies have accommodated the larger ring gauge size cigars. So this cutter probably can fit, let's see, this is a 60 ring gauge, correction, 50 ring gauge. And I would say this could easily hold about a, I would say about 68 to 70, no problem. So this cigar, this cutter, extra large, that's what I will use today on my Gurkha Havana Legend. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Four jet flames coming from my cigar, Dave. Lock and load. Nice translucent tank. Four jet flames built-in piercer. Perfect to do the job today on my Gurkha Havana Legend. Cigar, cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Okay, here comes the cut. Perfect. Outstanding. One cut. I got it just above the shoulders. Absolutely perfect. Let me now toast the foot of this Gurkha Havana legend. Again, taking my time. Listen, after that opening monologue, where I expended a tremendous amount of energy, I think I need to relax a little. So I'm going to take my time here, and that's the beautiful thing about lightation. When you light your cigar, you are looking at the foot of that cigar, you are toasting the wrapper and the binder, taking your time, you're getting the first few wafts of that great cigar aroma. Very special, magical time. Let me puff and rotate here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Nice earthy notes right on the palate, right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm. Let me blow on the foot of the cigar. Got one area I want to just touch up. Mm-hmm. Now we're good. 
I blow out once, I'm going to let it sit just for a few seconds, and I'm just engulfed in the wonderful aroma. And it's, I'll tell you, between the Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, the Dominican binder, the Nicaraguan fillers, you're really getting a nice amalgamation of, of various cigar tobacco aromas. Let me take a puff. Very nice. Mm. I can see why Gurkha brought his rack. Very popular originally. Nice medium body, not overpowering. Just a very pleasant any time of day cigar. Mm. Outstanding. So now mm, that my cigar is lit, I need the proper accompaniment. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, after Cigar Oktoberfest sampling various beers and throughout September for National Bourbon Heritage Month, sampling bourbons and American whiskeys, I have decided to go a different route. We're going to Portugal, and we're going to get some port. Not just any port, I'm going to get a tawny port. Now, port is a is a aromatic fortified wine from grapes grown primarily in the Douro Valley of northern Portugal. Now, most ports, see, there's various, there's, a, there's tawny ports, there's vintage ports, but I have selected a very nice tawny port, which actually is a combination. You actually have, most tawny ports are a blend of vintage, uh, vintage ports. So this particular tawny that I have selected, one of my favorites. Now, one thing about tawny is that you do see an age expression normally. 10 years, seven years, 20 years, 30 years, can even have 40, 50. But I've selected the Graham's 20 year tawny, one of my favorites. About 55 to 60 bucks per bottle, depending on where you go. But it is just one of my favorite ports. Now, with a tawny port, tawnies are aged in oak barrels, oak casks. So consequently, over time, you're going to get some of the oakiness and you're going to see the color change and 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 mellow out a little bit. So when we look at the various types of Tawny ports. There's reserve, aged at least seven years. A 10-year-old. Usually it's got a slightly brick red color. Then when we're talking about the 20, which is what I have, you get some very nice fruity flavors, some savory notes, and the tawny port color ranges from a pinkish to an amber orange. Then you go to a 30, a 40, and above from there. So this particular, and some of the brands, you've got Taylor's which is a very, very well-known port. You've got Fonseca, makes a great port. Sandeman, very, very well-known. And Grams, one of my favorites. So let me go ahead. I've already poured a bit into my snifter here. I'm getting some plum, tons of apricot. Tons of apricot, even a little bit of peach. Wow, just an orangey type color. Let me go ahead and say cheers. Mm. Oh, is that delightful. Whoa. Let me take a puff. My Gurkha. Mm. Vanillogen. Okay. And now, a sip of my Graham's Tawny 20 year. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Beautiful. So many people forget. Mm. about port and how tasty it is. Yes, it is sweet. 
But when you get a nice 10 or 20, you're tawny. Even if you go for phone's sake, a bin number 27, you can't go wrong. Just a very nice way after dinner, enjoy a cigar with friends, with your harem, to relax. You take your time, you put it in a snifter. Just very, very delightful. So, my cigar's lit. I've got my Graham's 20-year tawny that I'm thoroughly enjoying. And when we come back, I will get into the fact that once again, we're seeing cigars being pushed to the wayside, but yet, everywhere you turn around, it's cannabis, cannabis, cannabis. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. At the Cigar Dave Show, there are several things we really like in a Washington bureaucrat. Uh, embalming fluid? A wooden stake through the heart? Well, I guess after those two things, you really don't need the rest. It seems everywhere you turn around, there is a cannabis dispensary, or you're hearing about new cannabis operations, new cannabis retail setups, new cannabis laws. But yet, those of us that enjoy cigars, we are being discriminated against, it seems, incessantly. Can't smoke your cigar on a sidewalk. Can't smoke your cigar on the beach. Can't smoke your cigar on a golf course. Can't smoke your cigar here. Can't smoke your cigar there. Yet, you want to light up a joint? Oh, be my guest. You want to have uh, medical cannabis? Go ahead, be, be my guest. Everywhere you look around now. Down here in the cigar city of Tampa, like every corner, every like mile, you start to see these cannabis dispensaries. And I get a kick out of people that I know that said, oh, yeah, no, I've, I've got my medical cannabis card because it is medical cannabis. It is not, the recreational is not legal in Florida, but medical cannabis is. Now, I have no problem with people legitimately with a medical condition that want to go have cannabis. No problem. But when I see people now that say, oh, yeah, I got my medical cannabis card, I'm like, well, what's your medical condition? Well, you know, after a hard day's work, uh, sometimes I can be stressed, and stress, uh, you know, could be bad for you, the, for your blood pressure. So my doctor wrote a medical cannabis. I said, well, what doctor was this? Dr. Bombay? Everywhere you go, you start seeing this, and you hear about this. Perfect example is New York State. Every time you look around... Again, they've legalized marijuana, even recreationally. They still don't have their system in place, but that's not stopping all these uh, weed companies from announcing big deals and, 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 and opening of new stores. Perfect example. This is uh, Cresco Labs, a medical marijuana company based in Chicago, is opening a 433,000-square-foot cannabis campus in Ellenville, New York, which is in the uh, Catskills. And uh, they're going to have space for cultivation, processing, packaging, distribution of cannabis. See, now, you, you can't call it pot. 
or marijuana. The new scientific term is cannabis. It sounds so much more, it sounds technical when you say, I'm, I'm, I've got a, a, a card to have legal cannabis. Instead of saying, yeah, I've got a card to get legal pot, legal weed. So they're making it more, they're making it more upscale now. It's, it's cannabis. Now, this is unbelievable. This is not the only place that's opening up. Jim Belushi, I don't know if you knew this, the actor, the comedian, he is a partner, big investor in Belushi Farms, a cannabis producer that Belushi started in Oregon in 2015 that has locations in Colorado, Oklahoma, Illinois, and Massachusetts, and he was in Hogansburg, New York last week, which is right on the uh, New York-Ontario border, as New York's, northern New York, St. Regis, Aquasasni Mohawk tribe awarded their latest cannabis license to operate a dispensary selling recreational marijuana on their reservation. And they've got like six or seven other dispensaries that are also on their reservation. And you look at some of these other Indian uh, uh, marijuana businesses in, in upstate New York, from Buffalo all the way to Albany, they've got a dozen licensed dispenser, uh, dispensaries with the uh, Akaswane Mohawk tr- uh, territory. The Cayuga Nation has a recreational dispensary at their Lakeside Trading Post in Union Springs in Cayuga County, another one in Seneca Falls in the Finger Lakes. They've got a growing and processing facility in Seneca County, 20 retail pot outlets in Seneca Nation of Indians Territory in western New York. And in September, the Oneida Nation Indian Indians announced plans to launch a seed-to-stale marijuana business, expected open retail outlets in 2023. And they plan to grow and process their own pot in a new 50,000-square-foot facility in Verona between Syracuse and Utica next year. But meanwhile, if I want to go have a cigar somewhere, God forbid. And here's another example. Circle K, which is big convenience. I don't know if there's Circle Ks across the country. I never heard of them until I moved actually uh, to Florida. 7-Eleven was the big convenience store up north, but now Circle Ks are, are pretty much nationwide. Big announcement between Circle K, which operates 600, uh, 600 convenience stores in Florida, and Green Thumb Industries, which is, take a guess, that's right, a legal medical marijuana dispensary or dispensaries. They are going to be entering into a joint venture to open Rise Express stores specifically for sales of medical marijuana with side entrances and signage at 10 Circle K gas stations around Florida with more coming. So this is great. Go fuel up and then go get your medical marijuana. It blows me away that we have been harassed as cigar connoisseurs now for 20 years. We've been picked on with excess federal uh, excise taxes, more restrictions on where we can go on where we can't go. I mean, everywhere you look around, huge taxes. In, in New York State, 75% excise tax on cigars. 
well, what's the excise tax going to be on medicinal marijuana? And I'm going to tell you right now, the number of people with medicinal marijuana cards that legitimately should have them is probably 30%. The other 70% are all bullshit, fictitious medical conditions that, oh, you've got anxiety, you got stress. Oh, yep, you know what? Got to give you, got to give you a medicinal marijuana card. I'd like to see, are they going to have the same excise taxes on recreational marijuana that there is? And even uh, recreational marijuana as cigars? I'd like to see that. We're the ones picking up the tab for the children's health program, for all sorts of other nonsense. And yet, all these legal pot stores are opening, and I haven't seen anything about taxation. I'd love to know. But it's just, to me, so hypocritical. Have all the weed you want, but you want to light a fine premium hand-rolled cigar? I'm sorry. You can't smoke inside, you can't smoke outside, and if you do, then we're going to charge you and give you a huge excise taxes out the yin-yang. Nonsense. Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone had three very important, actually four wise words regarding a medical condition she recently underwent. And I wanted to share it with you, not for her medical condition, but to relate it to what we saw with the Wuhan virus. Now, Sharon Stone revealed she needs to have a fibroid tumor uh, removed. Uh, and she only learned about the tumor after first being misdiagnosed. And she said that after suffering terrible pain, she sought a second opinion that led to the current correct diagnosis. And she said, get a second opinion. Get a second opinion. Four wise words. But that wasn't the case with the Wuhan virus, when Americans were coming down with the Wuhan virus, and instead of doctors saying, I'm sorry, we have nothing to treat you, basically, until you get to the point where you can't breathe and you turn blue and are about to die, then go to the emergency room, and then we'll put you in the hospital. We will put you on remvesidir, which is what what uh, Dr. Joseph Anthony Fauci Mengele was saying was the only approved treatment, which we know, doctors knew, blew out your kidneys. And then we'll put you on a ventilator and, of course, always look at the bottom line because every time a, pa- a hospital took in a COVID patient and put someone on a ventilator and put them on remdesivir, they all got these big bonuses. Cha-ching, follow the money. And yet, instead of doctors saying, well, look, this is my opinion, but go get a second opinion. And maybe somebody, another doctor's second opinion would be, well, we're going to put you on hydroxychloroquine. We're going to put you on ivermectin. We're going to put you on on colchicine. We're going to put you on Zithromax, a Z-pack, to protect your lungs. We're going to put you on methylprednisolone to reduce inflammation. And that should be an effective treatment. We want to get it early. But no. We saw the enti- virtually the entire medical profession that said... We don't care what other doctors are seeing, experiencing. We don't care what other doctors around the world and countries around the world are experiencing with the success of inexpensive therapeutics such as ivermectin, such as hydroxychloroquine, such as Zithromax, such as methylprednisolone. Nope. We would rather you go to the hospital and die. That's fact. And by the way, when the Republicans take over, you, the other one that's going to get a giant serving 
of a Republican suppository is going to be Anthony Phony Fauci, the Fuhrer. I recently watched the documentary, The Real Anthony Fauci. It's available on Rumble. If you do a search on Rumble, you will find it. It's about an hour and 40 minutes. Watch it. Fascinating. When you see the nonsense that phony Fauci did, the same nonsense he pulled during the Wuhan virus, he pulled during the initial AIDS crisis, killing thousands and thousands of patients unnecessarily. It is eye-opening. Anthony Fauci is a blatant, lying bastard fraud. He should be in jail. He should be charged with crimes against humanity, found guilty with the appropriate consequences. You know what those are. Just go back to World War II and see what, uh, what the results of the crimes against humanity, that, what the, uh, the penalty was when they were found guilty. They got whacked. Now, I'm not suggesting Fauci should get whacked. I'm suggesting Fauci should go to trial and then get whacked. But by a legal international court, not by individuals, not by any crazies. He should be charged appropriately. He should be given the right to a defense, not the same right that he gave all those patients that he murdered. And then if he's found guilty, the appropriate penalty. And the people that should be allowed to go and either inject him with the, uh, the deadly cocktail or go ahead and hang and, and pull the noose should be the families of all those, the millions that he killed. I think it was, what, 1.3 million? He is directly responsible for their murder. No ifs, ands, or buts. And when doctors pleaded and begged and said, we have therapeutics that are working, Let, let's look at a second opinion. Fauci, you're not right on everything. Nope. He used his bureaucratic muscle to shut everyone down. It is unconscionable. It is illegal. It is major crimes against humanity. So Sharon Stone, get a second opinion. I don't know of any doctor, legit doctor, where a patient, if they are diagnosed with something, the patient says, well, I'd like to go get a second opinion. I've never seen any doctor that I know say, no, I don't recommend that. Every doctor I know said, absolutely. I encourage you, get a second opinion. Get a third opinion. That's important. Sometimes doctors aren't right. Sometimes doctors differ on treatments. I can tell you that I know, I've seen it in person. I I know many people that have said, hey, I went to see this and I said, well, you know what? Let me send you over to the Cleveland Clinic for another opinion. And if you're not comfortable there, go to another hospital, go to the Mayo Clinic, go to this clinic, go somewhere else. And invariably, they'll come back saying, I'm glad I went because either one, it confirmed or two, No, they had a differing opinion, and I decided to get a third, and sure enough, the two have a different opinion than the first one that I saw. No doctor, no legitimate physician would ever tell their patient, I'm sorry, don't get a second opinion. Every physician I know, I'm friends with many, my dad was a surgeon for many, many years, would always say, get a second opinion, get a third opinion, we encourage it, no problem, we're not offended. Except when it comes to Fauci. No, there is no second or third opinion. I am right. You're wrong. You're simply wrong. All of you other doctors that are treating it are wrong. 
When was the last time Fauci saw a patient? I told you, probably 50 years ago. The clinicians who were on the front line, President Trump should have brought them all into the White House and sat them down along with Fauci and say, now, Fauci, you've got your opinion. I brought in 20 or 30 physicians across the country that are treating patients successfully. So we're going to go around the room. We may be here for six hours. Doctors, tell me what is working. But instead, nope, Fauci didn't want anyone else to get a second opinion. He is an absolute fraud. He should be found, as I said, should be charged with crimes against humanity and found guilty. All right, I am creating a new mental condition that afflicts, as I've stated many times before, half the world. It involves stupidity. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Half the world is stupid. Doesn't matter if you are educated with a college degree, secondary degree, multiple degrees, your, your socioeconomic status, I don't care if you're a billionaire, has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with common sense. And half the world has none, and they are stupid. And here's a perfect example. Truck driver of a tractor trailer driving on the Onondaga Lake Parkway last week in uh, around Syracuse, New York, was following his GPS. When his GPS led him on this route that trucks were not advised to take. Why? Because along the route, there is a railroad bridge. And the railroad bridge has a very low clearance. And there are signs miles before that bridge saying, bridge, low clearance, 10 feet, 9 inches. Everywhere you went for the last umpteen miles, it states, 10 feet, 9 inches, trucks not permitted. Well... The height of an average semi-trailer is between 13 feet, 6 inches to 14 feet. Now, what do you think this 37-year-old truck driver who was following his GPS, what do you think he did after he saw the signs? Do you think that he said, uh, nope, the GPS is taking me in a wrong direction. Let me use common sense and let me find an alternate route. Do you think he did that? The answer is no. He continued driving until his 14-foot-high rig ended up smashing into the 10-foot-9 bridge. His trailer jackknifed. He had to go to the hospital with injuries. I don't think the bridge suffered too much damage, actually. But this shows you the lack of common sense, and it is stupidity. And so I'm coming up with a brand-new medical condition that I have officially named. It is called SSS, Seriously Stupid Syndrome. Seriously Stupid Syndrome, SSS, affects over half Americans and half the rest of the world. You see it all the time. Now, we as alphas, this does not affect us because we have common sense. We use our brains. If we were to see a sign that said, I've got, let's say, for example, my SUV. I know my SUV clearance is whatever, six, whatever it is, seven foot, two inches, let's say. And I saw a sign that said, do not go into this parking garage because the clearance is only six feet, five inches. What do you think I would do? I would look and say, not going in here. Let me turn around or let me back up. That is not going to happen. What do you think is going to happen with pe people who suffer from SSS, seriously stupid syndrome? 
You got it. They're going to continue driving straight ahead. We see this all the time. We see it everywhere. People, no matter how much they earn, no matter how many billions they have, how many degrees, half the world is stupid. And so therefore, now we will refer to it by its appropriate scientific name, SSS, Seriously Stupid Syndrome. Finally, a victory, an important victory, and an important judicial ruling in Everett, Washington for women. In Everett, Washington, the city council enacted a dress code ordinance that required all employees, owners, and operators of quick service facilities to wear clothing that covers the upper and lower body. The ordinance listed coffee stands, fast food restaurants, delis, food trucks, and coffee shops. They enacted that in 2017. Well, there is a business in Everett called Hillbilly Hotties. It is a coffee store, coffee, uh, coffee joint, coffee restaurant that employs bikini baristas. Now, I think you should always pay proper respect to your barista. They're making your espresso. They're making your decaf. They're making your coffee. I always get a kick when I go to Starbucks and someone will, like, I'll go and order. I'll say, yeah, just um, let me have a uh, decaf, uh, no cream, no sugar. You don't have to leave room for it because I just put a little few drops of, of stevia. Then the person next to me as I'm waiting will say, I'd like a soy latte, frappuccino, mocha frappiato, espresso, with additional sugar and just a dollop of additional cream. And I'm thinking, what on earth is that? What? That is not coffee. That is candy. So I always respect the baristas, especially bikini-clad baristas. But you know who didn't? That would be the city of Everett. And so the owner of Everett Bikini Barista Stand, Hillbilly Hotties, ended up taking the city to court. And this week, in a partial summary judgment, the U.S. District Court in Seattle found that Everett's dress code ordinance violated the Equal Protection Clause of the U.S. and Washington State Constitutions, and that the ordinance was in part shaped by a gender-based discriminatory purpose, according to a 19-page ruling signed by U.S. District Judge Ricardo S. Martinez. Bravo, Judge Martinez. A victory for scantily clad bikini baristas. Now, to show that I am indeed a feminist, this, this proves, because I'm in support of these bikini clad baristas. Doesn't that show my support of feminism? Now, maybe not, because if they are ugly baristas, and if they shouldn't be wearing bikinis, then I have no problem with enforcing the ordinance. But if they are hotties with nice rackage and stackage and look super, super tremenda, super hot in their bikinis, I say that is a win for all of womankind, especially hot womankind. Now, I know, of course, I'm going to get people saying, oh, wait a minute, that's being discriminatory. No, 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 no. It's not being discriminatory. Some women should be wearing bikinis and some should not. So I'm in the, I'm in the 
in the in the camp of those women that look hot in bikinis, I stand by their rights to be bikini baristas. And in fact, I'm going to do my best to find some bikini baristas in the Cigar City of Tampa this weekend and order my normal decaf black. All right. We have got a huge few days. Well, first of all, my Buffalo Bills play tomorrow against the New York Jets. So we want the uh, Bills to absolutely crash the Jets. And then Tuesday, the day that we have been waiting for for two years, the midterm election, it is going to be an absolute red tsunami. Take it to the bank. Again, my final predictions. Predictions! Remember on the McLaughlin Group? Predictions! Mort Kondracki! My prediction! The Republicans capture the House with 52 seats. The Senate plus five pickups, possibly six. John McLaughlin, bye-bye. It was a great show back in the day. So that is my prediction. House, we pick up 52. Senate plus five, possibly six. Who knows, maybe seven. That is my final prediction. Cannot wait till Tuesday. I will be front and center. Victory cigars, victory libations on hand. Get yours ready for the red tsunami. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Hashtag red wave. Hashtag save America. Hashtag red tsunami. Bye-bye.